Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Relove Podcast. This is Pastor Seth Yolorda, and I want to thank you for taking the time out of your busy day to listen to this week's message. Our prayer is that it will leave you inspired, encouraged, and challenged as you grow higher in Christ. And I also just want to ask that if this message is a blessing to you, that you would take the time to share it, to send it to a friend, send it to a family member so that they too can be blessed. Again, we thank you for taking the time to listen, and we pray that you are blessed. And, and, and while you're standing, why don't you turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. We're standing to our feet, turning to the written word, which will prepare us for the preached word, and will by God's grace honor and exalt the living word. We're standing to our feet and turning to 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16. I want you to just stand to your feet as we turn to the written word, which will prepare us for the preached word, and will by God's grace honor and exalt the living word. We're in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16, and I want to read this singular verse from the King James Version um, as I will preach kind of around it, but I wanted this one to inform our sermon this morning. The Bible says, as I read in your hearing, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16, and if you have it, let this bald head preacher know by saying, let's eat. Uh, come on, you don't sound hungry for the word this morning. If you have 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 16, let me know by saying, let's eat. The Bible says from the King James Version, how be it for this cause, Paul writing, how be it for this cause, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show forth all longsuffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. Paul tells us that he obtained mercy first so that he could be a pattern or a prototype to those who would believe hereafter. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Now bless us as we study it in Jesus name. Amen. And amen. You may be seated in the very presence of the Lord. Last week, those of you who are here, uh, I preached a sermon about accepting forgiveness. What did the preacher say? Accepting forgiveness. It is, it is extremely important that you understand that you can, as you heard in the clip, give something you haven't first and foremost received. You can give something that you don't have. And so many of us have attempted to give forgiveness to others, but we have to stop for a moment and check and do some self-inventory and ask ourselves if we've really accepted the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And so last week we talked about, last week we talked about the importance of acknowledging, acknowledging that you have sin, acknowledging that there is a problem. We talked about, we talked about a lot of things, but, but yes, last week's message was really a setup for this week's message and will lead us into next week's message because you can't fully accept and understand what we're going to preach about this morning if you didn't hear and appreciate what we talked about last Sabbath. And so I want you to, from this text, 1 Timothy, where Paul, 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 and Paul writes to his son in the ministry. And by the time Paul writes this first letter to Timothy, who was his son in the ministry, he has been walking with Christ. Watch this. By the time Paul writes 1 Timothy, he has been walking with Christ for 25 years. Since converting this arrogant ex-Jew who literally went out of his way to kill and imprison Christians has endured hunger, thirst, 
sleepless nights, jail, beatings, being stoned and shipwrecked, all for the cause of the one he once persecuted. How did, how did, how did, how did Paul go from consenting to the death of Stephen to receiving 40 lashes, save one five times? How, how, how did he go from breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples to being beaten with rods three times? How did Paul, how did Paul go from being regarded by the Sanhedrin as a young man of great promise and a zealous defender of Judaism to having over 40 high priests and religious leaders take a solemn oath that they would neither eat nor drink until they killed Paul? How did he transition from that to what we now talk about? How did he transition from that to who we now preach? How did he transition from that to whom we now read in order to draw closer to Christ how did Paul go from being Saul to Paul and while the sentiments of the people about Paul changed drastically and Paul's behavior also changed what did he do listen to me reloved this morning what did Paul do with the uncomfortable thoughts and feelings about his former life what, what, what happened to the anxiety and depression over lives taken and families ruined? What happened to the self-condemnation that might have plagued Paul because of his past actions? But before we spend too much time talking about Paul, let me ask you, what did you do about the deep wounds your drug addiction called? The deep wounds your divorce caused. The deep wounds your poor financial decisions caused. The deep wounds your abortion caused. The deep wounds your cheating caused. The deep wounds your, your lying caused. And not to mention those of you who don't identify as black, indigenous, or a person of color who find yourself empathizing with our plight and wondering what to do with the thoughts, words, and or actions that may have been unconsciously or even consciously racist. For instance, last year, shortly after George Floyd's murder, Russell Siler Jones responded to a question that came in to Psychology Today's website with an article titled, What Do I Do With My White Guilt? In it, he offered some, some, some helpful tips and some somewhat sketchy tips, if I'm being honest, to an anonymous person who wrote, quote, why did it take me this long to wake up? Why did it take yet another killing of a black man to get my attention? I've read that white people don't need to ask black people to assuage our guilt for us, that we need to talk to other white people about this. So that's my question, he wrote. What do I do with this sickening feeling of guilt, end quote? The part of Jones' response that I appreciated most was this. Listen to me carefully. He said, quote, feeling bad is an inadequate substitute for doing good. One more time for those of you, feeling bad is an inadequate substitute for doing good. You didn't catch it. Let me say it one more time. Feeling bad is an inadequate substitute for doing good. Then he said something that should sound familiar to those of you who heard last week's message, quote, be willing to make amends to those you have harmed and when possible, make those amends, end quote. He also made sure to remind us of the importance of taking, quote, fearless moral inventory and admitting to ourselves, to God and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Somewhere along the line, I believe Paul 
Paul must have taken these same steps from accepting forgiveness to applying its healing salve to his own soul for the sake of quieting the voice of the enemy who would have him and us believe our sins have short-circuited our salvation. Our past prevents us from being pardoned. Are y'all listening to me or am I talking to myself? Our mistakes have not made us miss out on mercy and our faults should not forfeit our access to forgiveness. And I don't know who I'm talking to and who needs to hear this, but the Bible is crystal clear that until Christ comes again, his purpose is to pardon, not to punish, to comfort, not condemn, to save sinners of whom Paul thought himself chief, that in him, Christ might establish an example to those who would believe hereafter. So let's, let's look at Paul's life and follow the example he set from the title self-care. And then I'll I'll get out of here. Father, please set self on the shelf. Throw your weight around. Hug on somebody and let them know that you are enough. In Jesus name. Amen. First off, first off from the text, first off. Paul accepted forgiveness and encouraged everyone to do the same. I need you to get this. Paul accepted forgiveness and encouraged every one of us to do the exact same thing. Notice in verse 15, it tells us that Jesus coming into the world to save sinners should be universally accepted. Listen to me. Jesus coming into the world to save sinners is something that should be in his perfect world universally accepted. Every man, every woman, every boy and every girl would understand that Christ coming to save sinners is something that everyone should accept. Now, I'm not advocating for universalism, but the text clearly tells us forgiveness is something to be universally, meaning by everybody accepted. Listen to me, relove. You should accept it. Your spouse should accept it. Your parents should accept it. Your in-laws should accept it. Your children should accept it. Look, if you can somehow convince your pets to accept it, they should too. See, see, Paul's is a story of transformation. How the grace of Christ turns us into new creations. His is a story of how a religious terrorist was captured and made a prisoner of love. Are y'all listening to me on today? Paul becomes an example of how forgiveness can explode from the cross and into the life of unsuspecting people who hear the gospel to the extent it can turn foes into friends, murderers into messengers, dealers into deacons, prostitutes into preachers. In short, it turns sinners into servants and how do I know because it turns Saul into Paul and I'm quite positive that right now I'm looking at some folk who can testify with Paul as he does in verse 13 I once was but now I once was but now and I don't know what your once was what was I don't know what you once were 
but I know that I once was an alcohol drinker. I once was a marijuana smoker. I once was a prison inmate. I once was a cocaine snorter, but now I stand pardoned, but now I stand justified, but now I stand redeemed, but now I stand blameless because now I stand forgiven. And is there anybody under the sound of this bald head preacher's voice that wants to take an opportunity right now to thank God for now being blameless, for thanking God for now being forgiven, to thank God. I just want to take that moment if you don't and give God some praise that although I once was something, what I am now, I could have never seen. I could have never seen myself preaching to people. I could have never seen myself leading others to Christ. I could have never seen, but I thank God that he saw what I once was and said, but now you can be something else and all you need to do is acknowledge repent and make amends that's what we said last week acknowledge repent and make amends and in order to do that and if you if you acknowledge repent and make amends you're accepting the forgiveness that Paul encourages everyone to accept and after doing that after doing that there's a second step and I want you to notice it's in the text. You may not believe me, but Paul advocated a me first approach to forgiveness. Paul advocated a me first approach. It's right here in the text. Notice 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 16. I obtained mercy that in me first. It's in the text. Me first. But see, the same lies that prevent us from accepting forgiveness are some of the same ones that keep us from forgiving ourselves. See, I'm preaching last week accepting forgiveness so that you can apply it to yourselves. And some of the lies that we hear that tell us we don't need to forgive ourselves or that we can't accept forgiveness are some of the same ones that keep us from forgiving ourselves. One of those lies, and it is a tricky one, listen to me, y'all is that there are only two biblical categories for forgiveness. Others' forgiveness and God's forgiveness. Basically, and it sounds real, 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 real good, real convincing. Basically, if God has forgiven you, you don't need to forgive yourself. And as a matter of fact, I actually read where a pastor literally said, quote, you don't need to forgive yourself because you can't forgive yourself, end quote. You don't need to because you can't. But, but, but if you would allow me, can I ask y'all a question today? No, seriously, can I ask y'all a question? Okay. And I want you to really, really think about this before you answer. Think real, real hard because it might stump some of you. Are you ready for the question? Does God love you? No, 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 no. So you didn't think hard enough. Does God love you? No, 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 no. You couldn't have thought of you. I need you to take a little bit more time. Think about it. Does God love you? Because if you answered yes, based on what this pastor says, we don't need to love ourselves because God already loves us. Wait, 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 wait. Ho, ho, ho. Is it me or does something sound a little bit off about that? Especially when Leviticus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, Paul and James tell us to love our neighbors as, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. In order to love someone else, you mean to tell me that you got to first love yourself? Like, I, I, I didn't make that up. 
Leviticus says, love your neighbors as yourself. Matthew says, love your neighbor as yourself. Mark says, love your neighbor as yourself. Luke says, love. So if you don't love yourself, can you honor this admonition? Oh, I'm struggling. I'm struggling, preacher. I'm struggling. This is an extremely important point because it directly affects our ability to love and forgive others. How so? Because we can only love and forgive others to the extent we love and forgive ourselves. As a matter of fact, turn with me to the book of James real quick. I want you to see something. I want you to see this. Turn with me to the book of James. Turn with me to the book of James. This is the New Testament, book of James. And if you can, I don't know if the screens came back on, but I want you to look at this. I want you to see it with your own eyes. I want you to see something with your very own eyes. James, James, come on, turn with me to James chapter two. James chapter two. And I want you to notice, y'all know this text real, real good. James chapter two, verses eight and nine. If you have it, say amen. amen. From, it's from the King James Version. Now listen to me. Now I know most of you know this, but listen to me. I'm gonna read it again. Oh, this is good. <clears throat> No, this is, I mean, because here's the thing. I got to be honest with you guys. <clears throat> this message even challenges my theology. Right? And, and I want you to notice this. Here it is. James chapter 2, verse 8, if you have it, say amen. Yeah. All right, so here it is. Watch this. Okay, God, I want to get it. I want to get it. I want to get it. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, y'all with me? Every, no, come on, I need y'all to see this. I, I want to make sure everybody, because I want you, I ain't wearing, I don't have sleeves, so I don't have nothing on my sleeves. I can't pull a switcheroo on you. I want to make sure everybody read it for themselves. If you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. You do what, everyone? You do what, everyone? Now watch verse 9. But if you have, here, oh God, help me, Holy Ghost, please, please, please. But if you have respect to persons... You commit what, everyone? And are convinced of the law as what, everyone? Now watch this. Now watch this. This text is literally warning us about showing partiality, which means we aren't allowed to show. Gosh, come on, Lord. We aren't allowed to show some people love and not show love to others. Now, if we're keeping it a whole hundred, if we keep it in a stack, if we keep it in a book, if we keep it real, if you're showing partiality, you're actually sinning. It is literally sinful not to love everybody. But the one person we always seem to forget to love is ourselves. Hear me clearly, child of God. If you have to, according to this text and other texts like it, love others in order to honor and fulfill the law, you also have to love and forgive yourself in order to fulfill the royal law. Otherwise, you are sinning. Listen to me, saints of God. You know what verse 10 says. You've heard it in every seminar and every uh, revelation seminar and every evangelistic series. The next text literally says, if you offend in one point, you are guilty of all. So now watch this. Let's retrofit this thing. If you offend in forgiving yourself, you are guilty of violating all commandments. And think about it. Think about the things you say to yourself when you mess up. Think about what you say to your stupid why did I do that? I'm so dumb. 
Oh, I'm so fat. I'm so ugly. Think about the things you say. Now watch this. Now watch this. Watch. Please. Come on, Holy Spirit. Please get this. But now think about what you say to someone else when they do mess up. Oh, it's okay, baby. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Right? But, 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 but why do you get the short end of the stick? Because somewhere, theologically, no one has spent the time to tell you as you take covenants and oaths to keep all of the commandments anybody could ever show you that the first and most important commandment after loving God, please don't get this twisted. Don't walk out of here saying I say put you above God. Right. Because it says love God with all your heart, mind and soul. Talk to me, church. Love God with all your heart, mind and soul and then love your neighbor as yourself. And if you think this is selfish love, when you go over the first Corinthians chapter 13, what does it tell you? Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is kind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm not advocating for selfishness. I'm advocating for you first and foremost, applying what you've accepted to yourself. Because if you cannot do that, you are incapable of forgiving anyone else. And if you can't love other people, you are violating all of the commandments. This is why I believe Paul advocated for a me first approach to forgiveness. And Paul, if anybody else had enough to forgive, he'd be forgiven for. Did you hear what I said? He was right there consenting to the death of Stephen. He was he, he nobody even asked him, bro. Nobody asked him, hey, do you want to go somewhere and kill some Christians? He would voluntarily. Go ask, can I kill Christians? And this is why Paul is saying, listen, if I can receive forgiveness, if I can be forgiven, if God can look down at me and see the blood of Jesus, what do you think you have done? So you say, okay, preacher, I'm down. I got it. I hear you. Come down off that milk crate and tell me how do I forgive myself? How? Your pastor always tells me, come on, Keith, you got to make it practical. You want to hoop, holler, scream, but can you make it practical? <laughs> All right. So, so how do I forgive myself? Listen to me. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. How do I forgive myself for the lies? Come on, somebody. How do I forgive myself for the cheating? Come on. Come on, somebody. Come on, how do I forgive myself for that abortion? Come on, I know who I'm dealing with nowadays, right? How do I forgive myself for being abusive, whether it's a verbally abusive or physically abusive? You walk away from that situation and say, why did I do that? I'm so dumb, I'm so mean. And, and then you walk around with for the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of the month, not able to forgive yourself. And so the question that we're asking right now is, Pastor, okay, we got it, but how do I forgive myself? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because Paul is, again, giving us an example. Paul acknowledged, watch this, y'all. Paul acknowledged how great a sinner he was. Paula. But more importantly, how much greater the forgiveness of God is. Come on, come on, come on, come on. That should have shouted somebody. And if this was a other kind of church, somebody might have ran around here. But I need you to get this again. 
Paul acknowledged how great a sinner he was. Notice, notice the text says he acknowledged how great a sinner he was, but more importantly, how much greater the forgiveness of God is. First Timothy chapter one, verse 15, he says, listen, God came into the world to save sinners of which I am chief. I'm not only a client, I'm the president. I'm the chief. Notice, Paul, I need y'all to get this. Come on, I know, come on, come on, I know this is tough. Because listen, it's easy for us to run around forgiving other people. It's easy for, it's easy for us to say, oh yeah, thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness. But when it comes to JB, when it comes to forgiving ourselves, we struggle. So watch this, watch this, watch this, watch this. Huh. Paul never, come on, y'all better learn, Paul never hides who he is. Paul does not hide it. He tells you exactly what he was. Go look in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 13. He says, hey, 13, he says, hey, I was a blasphemer. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. He says, I was a persecutor. Come on, y'all. He says, I was injurious. Look, we don't escape the accusations of our conscience by ignoring it, but by centering our hearts and our mind on God's immeasurable love. Watch what Paul says directly after he tells you all of his shortcomings, but I obtained mercy. I wish I had a church up in here who could shout and praise the Lord for obtaining mercy. And he doesn't stop there, y'all. He says, and the grace of our Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. See, when we feel guilty, we should remind ourselves that God's voice of assurance is stronger than our own voice of accusation. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so as often as the spirit or the enemy, come on, y'all, y'all getting this right? The spirit may bring something to your mind the same way the enemy may bring something to your mind. Y'all missing it. And when that thing comes to your mind, God's voice of assurance is stronger than our own voice of accusation. And then watch this. When the spirit or the enemy brings things to your mind, here's where it gets practical. List them. Write it down. Right? Write it down. Because this is, oh God, come on, Holy Spirit. You got to get this. Step number one. When the Holy Spirit tells you about that past, when the enemy tries to accuse you, of that past, thank you. Write it down. Make a list of everything that he got. Remember the Bible tells us that the enemy stood resisting Joshua. You, 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 you all right, I, 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 just, just give me a minute. <laughs> you ever, I, I, and I've, I've done this. So, so I, I mean, keep it a stack with y'all. Let me be honest about something. So I, I typically, I'm, I'm, I don't take myself seriously, which is why, you know, really felt bad about something. I'm, I, I joke a lot. I play around like I'm not going to fall. I joke a lot. I don't take myself seriously. Yeah, you, you was looking at my shoes. I was like, wait, did I, does the shoes come on? Look, Paula, I don't take anybody that knows me, JB, anybody, Steven, I don't take myself seriously. I, I, I love joke. I'm, I'm, I love, I'm for real. And so a lot of times I go somewhere to preach. Which one of y'all is Irene? Yo, you did good. I literally had to look around and say, that's her? Little bitty self singing like that. Bless you. Right? <clears throat> no, for real, y'all. I mean, all of y'all, don't get me wrong, but I, you kind of shocked me. I was, because you, you know, you was up there kind of like low key, and then all of a sudden the solo came and she ripped it, right? Um, but, 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 but here's the thing sometimes I get up, and, and Paula, <laughs> I will say, uh, you know, uh, I, I, I don't need to go to a gym because I'm already in shape. 
That's what I say. And I say, no, no. See, y'all, you know what? I'm going to forgive y'all for all of that I just saw right there. I'm forgiving each and every one of y'all for that. Right? But watch this. What I say is that I don't need to go to the gym because I'm already in shape. Because watch this. Ricky, round is a shape. I don't know what everybody else is trying to get in, but round is already a shape. It's circular. Come on, somebody. Right? Now, now, now let me tell y'all. Can I be honest with y'all? Can we talk? Can we dialogue? Can we talk? I do that to relieve myself of the sting of someone else potentially telling me. Come on, y'all. Come on, y'all. You've heard a lie told about you so much that you now tell it to yourself to relieve yourself of the sting of if somebody else tells you that. That's what I'm telling you to do. When the enemy tells you you're a liar, say thank you. And the next time say, you know, I'm a liar. Because that's what Paul does. Paul says, I'm the chief of sinners. I was injurious. I was a persecutor. I was a blasphemer. He took the list and he made a list of all of his shortcomings. Now, it, it, this would sound way crazy if I stopped right there. But you make the list and you confess it. It takes the power, the teeth out of it. Listen to me, saints of God. You take you every time something comes, you live. Oh, look, write it down. Now, I'm not. I'm not telling y'all mentally. I'm saying get a piece of paper, get a journal, write it down. And as you have your list, you then confess over that list. And let me give you something. Write this down. Write this down. Write. I took this from Bruce Wilkerson's book, The Freedom Factor. Here it is. He says, "Quote: I've decided to forgive myself for each and every wound on this list." You're a liar. I've decided to forgive myself for being a liar. You're a cheat. I've decided to forgive myself for being a cheater. You're, you're, I've decided to forgive myself. And you make that list and you confess over that list everything that is saying and you say, I've decided I'm no longer going to be in bondage to this thing. So you make your list, you confess and you repeat as often as the Holy Spirit or the enemy tries to throw something up in your face. You make your list. You confess and you repeat when he comes to tell it to you again. You make a list. You confess and you repeat when he shows up and tells you again. You make a list. You confess and you repeat and listen to me. Listen to me. After you've done that. Come on, somebody. Every time you feel unworthy of God's love, list it and confess it. Every time something makes you feel unworthy of God's grace, you list it and confess it when something makes you feel unworthy of God's mercy you list it and confess it and when something makes you feel unworthy of God's calling on your life you list it and confess it when something makes you feel unworthy of his forgiveness you list it and confess it because I got new for somebody on today if you confess your sin he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness You're acknowledging every time it comes up how great a sinner you are, but more importantly, how much greater the forgiveness of God is. Saints of God, step number one, accept it. Accept the forgiveness that God allowed his son to die to secure for us. 
And before you want to run out giving it to everybody else, the hardest thing we're going to do is apply that forgiveness to ourselves. And the way to do it is list it, confess it, and repeat. No matter what, it, oh, you are alcohol, list it, confess it, and repeat. Oh, you're abused, oh, list it, confess it, and repeat. And as often, y'all heard me, I said as often as the Holy Spirit or the enemy, because both gonna show up. Hey! <laughs> both gonna show up. And when the enemy shows up, you'll tell him with your list, please don't interrupt my self-care. <laughs> you, know, you know, nowadays it's a big thing to, to self-care, right? Well, let's start here. Let's start, as Paul did, advocating for a me-first approach to what you've accepted from God. Accept forgiveness. Apply forgiveness. Come back next Sabbath so I can talk, talk to us about the importance of forgiving others. Because listen, next Sabbath is my last Sabbath with you. And if you were going to miss a message, and you preachers say this all the time, this one or the, last, this one or the first one was the one you should have missed. No, seriously, it is. Because I want to be honest with you, as I talked to Pastor Seth about what to preach, <clears throat> he said, look, I like when preachers come and, and testify more than, more than try to exegete. And so it, it, I want to share with y'all my own personal of accepting forgiveness, applying it to my life. And it's, 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 a, it's a struggle. But ladies and gentlemen, friends of mine, beloved of God, I want you to accept what God has afforded us. Apply it to yourselves. And next week, I'm going to share with you something that it unleashes in the spirit realm that you have not been getting access to because you haven't accepted and applied so you can act on forgiveness. Heads about and eyes are closed. Let me let y'all about it here. Heads about and eyes are closed. Heads about and eyes are closed. Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we come in Jesus' name. We confess, God, that we are sinners in need of your forgiveness, in need of salvation, in need of grace, in need of mercy. And for that, to that end, we invite you into our hearts into our minds, into our lives. Lord, save us, shape us for your purposes. And I don't know if there's anybody under the sound of my voice who wants to, <clears throat> who wants to go the next step with Jesus. Maybe what has been preventing you from taking this step is not that you don't know that Jesus gave you forgiveness on the cross, not that you haven't attempted to forgive other people, but there is, a, there is a situation, an instance, a circumstance, something that happened that prevented you from forgiving yourself. And so today you want to say, Lord, you know what? I want to walk not only in the forgiveness that you secured on the cross, but I want to thank you 
for giving me the strength and the courage to forgive myself. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know if that's your testimony, but I would be remiss if I didn't give you an opportunity to move, to accept, and to apply what Christ has done for you. And don't let the enemy, because I'm telling you, I know what he's going to do right now. Some of you, he, the enemy is going to say, you don't need to go. You don't need to forgive yourself. No, you don't need to do it. You don't need to, you don't need to listen to him. You don't need to do it. You okay. You here at church. That's all you need to do. No! In Jesus' name, no! We bind and rebuke the enemy right now. If there is someone under the sound of my voice, listen, if there's someone under the sound of my voice who needs special prayer, let me tell you something about this lady right here, Paula. Let me say something about this lady right here. Don't go nowhere, Paula. This woman has a prayer anointing. This woman, I, there's only one other person I know with anointing of prayer, prayer anointing like this one. It's my mother-in-law. And I was feeling a little bad this morning. I called my mother-in-law. She prayed with me and said, go read Hebrews 4, 15 and 16. And you know what Hebrews 4, 15, I'm telling you, real time. This is what happened to me this morning. I was sitting here, I was feeling bad. I was feeling down. I called my mother-in-law right there on the phone. Somebody come try to talk to me. I was on the phone. My mother was praying over me. And she said, go read Hebrews 14, 4, 15 and 16. Do y'all know what it says there? Come boldly before the throne of grace where mercy is pleading. And I sat, and I sat in that thing. And, I, and, and so now I want to give someone else an opportunity to come boldly. Come boldly, come boldly before the throne of grace. Come boldly before the throne of grace. I don't know who it is that I'm talking to. I don't know what it may have been that might have prevented you from accepting and answering this appeal right now, but somebody, somebody, somebody needs to come right now. Some, I, I, that scripture wasn't in my notes. It wasn't in my thinking. God gave me that scripture because at this point in the service, he's now needing someone else to come boldly before the throne of grace. Who are you? Where are you? Amen, 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 amen. Sister Paula, pray, pray with him. Amen, 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 amen.